Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Like I said at the end, we want to create a lot of opportunity for questions and answers about us, our life, uh, our journey, things that maybe you're facing, and uh, we love to get real this week, and uh, every year we do this, so uh, we just speak for a little bit, talk, have you catch up to our, where we are. We're a real place here. We're authentic, we're genuine, we're transparent and vulnerable, and uh, we want you in on this, and uh, we've learned this, vulnerability attracts vulnerability, freedom attracts freedom, just like joy will attract joy. And hope attracts hope. So uh, we, we just love to share our story. And hopefully in that, you'll have the courage to be vulnerable and get real and get some things dealt with too. Uh, but Q&A, we love it. There's no plants in here, all right? We did not script any questions. There are no plants that we've placed in here. I know so many friends that do that in their churches. Like, yeah, we had Q&A. Dude, you planted 10 questions in there and you already had your answers written out. That's not fun. That's not an adventure. So uh, absolutely, any question you can ask in a little bit. All right. And we can say, no, I'm not going to say that or answer that. <laughs> and if we sound really smart in these answers, we may post it on Vimeo. But if we sound really dumb, we're just, we'll just leave that out. We'll have, we'll have Amy cut that out. Be like, hey, could you cut that one question out? My answer was terrible. Yeah. All right. Genesis 12, 1 through 10. All right. Now, this is just a fun story. It was kind of like the adventure we were on. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. <laughs> All right. He's like, leave everything and go to a place that eventually I'll show you. But surprise, I'm not going to tell you now. So then it says this, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and you all the families on the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram, with 75 years old, and when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites, Canaanites, were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. So, so listen, this is um, the Lord's promise. Abram is, is eventually going to become Abraham. Sarah is going to become Sarah. They're, getting, they're walking into their inheritance. They're walking into their promise. All right? And that's kind of like what we felt. We felt this was a promise. We felt like this was the Lord upgrading us. We felt these things like, oh, wow, this is for our children. We begin to have visions of our daughter's weddings on our property. Uh, which one day maybe it'll look like an estate. Like, it's, it's really beautiful. It has the potential for that. It's got a creek. It's like this cool place. So, like, this was for us and our children and our children's children. And we're seeing this as like a legacy. We even named it Family Legacy Farms. And um, so, so this is the thing. So Abram, he's in this place. He's like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to give you a land. 
Go to a land that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bless you, and this is your inheritance for you and your children, and, and you're going to be blessed. It's going to be amazing, all right? So we go. We move in. We go. We go on this journey, and then all of a sudden, verse 10 says this. Now, there was a famine in the land. <laughs> so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Ah, <laughs> oh, snap. Like, wait, we were supposed to be blessed. This was supposed to be amazing. This was supposed to be a promise. And now, okay, so we inherit our promise. We're there. We're in this land that you're going to show us. And then famine struck. And that's kind of like how we felt. And, and then the rest of the story is kind of where we are now on our journey. Uh, they go through all this drama, all right? So they go to Pharaoh. They lie about Sarai actually being his wife, said he was his sister, Okay, so that they would spare his life and, and think of him kindly because Sarah was beautiful. So they go through this drama with Pharaoh. He gets wigged out and scared. He's like, why didn't you just tell me she was your wife? And then he lets him go. They come back wealthy. The land improves. Uh, they even split off. And Lot went his way. He gave him whatever he wanted. And Abraham and Sarah were blessed. And we, we maybe know the rest of the story. If not, read your Bible. But here's, so here's the thing. What we're focusing on today in chapter 12 is, is like, okay, go to the land, it's your promise, and, and go there, and it's amazing, and they're pitching tents, and they're building altars, it's like, wow, this is awesome. Then famine struck. It was like, oh, then we opened up that kitchen wall. Oh. <laughs> so that was kind of like, wait, this was supposed to be a promise. This was supposed to be good. Why is this costing us something? Why are we over budget? Why is this so hard? That's kind of where we went. My turn? Um... I think that it is this thing of when you feel like in, that you heard from the Lord and then what happens is we hear from the Lord and then we start developing this idea and this picture of what it looks like and then we, and then we start to go for that and then it doesn't look that way and then what do you do? So you have these choices. You can say, you can recognize, oh, I built something in my mind. I expected something that he didn't design. Or you can say, you're a liar. And just, and just assume that God just lied to you and that he didn't speak to you. Or then you start to question, did I even hear God? And um, honestly, I think that <laughs> the, the, the main thing for a while that kept me moving forward, I'm not even going to say like, kept me positive because I definitely wasn't positive for about two straight weeks, um, was just the ability to go back to the fact that he had a dream in the night and then it was confirmed by someone completely disconnected that didn't even know anything. But I think that if I had, if it had just been him having the dream in the night, I would have took this journey of what are we doing and like, was your dream, did you even interpret that the right way? But we had this opportunity when it didn't look how we anticipated it to look, how we had built it in our brain um, to say, it's a dream and a confirmation, and I know that what Steve Backlund says is that a terrible decision made in faith is going to always be better than a good decision made in fear. We could, our old house was perfection. We had nothing wrong with it. It was only 10 years old. We loved it. We designed it. We built it. We, we did not really, we didn't desire to move. And the last night, the last night that we went in there, after it was all cleaned, we took the kids and we sat in the living room on the floor with pizza. And we 
literally all laid there and bawled. And we were like, what are we doing? I didn't. You di- yes, you did. You had some tears. They were like ugly crying, all right, like I do up here. <laughs> so then I'm like, well, what are we doing? And so it's this choice of, God, this is what you, you, you did say this. I did hear you. And your promises are yes and amen. And no matter what this looks like, if it looks different than what I anticipated, I'm pushing in. And so that's one thing that was really huge for me. And, um, you know, I am so thankful that he would not only give the dream, but then the confirmation, and it, like, that he knew that that's what I needed to keep me going. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was, Something else that ministered to my heart during this time was um, this piece on contentment. And um, when I was a kid and when I was younger, I just always wanted, like, I was never a content child because um, I was always wanting, like, let's go shopping. I want these shoes. I want these pants. If I had this, if my hair looked like this, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was never content. And my mom, she always packed my lunch. She always wrote me a note. And she into college. Into college. And she wrote on the no, or on this sheet of paper, and I've saved it forever. And she she just wrote out that whole entire this whole entire thing in Philippians. And I want to read it to you in Philippians four. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And honestly, I don't really know if I've ever experienced um, being in such, a, in such need. I mean, we, were, we had food, we had a place to sleep. But in our world, for what we've lived through the past several years of our life, I mean, we've been so blessed. I don't, we've not really had this, this um, time where we were in need, per se. And so this really challenged my abilities to be content Um, because it's like now I feel like I can relate even deeper on what it is to be in need you know I just I it just really messed with me it messed with my routine like it messed with my brain and I was just like what is normal for me to be feeling right now and what is like this piece where the Lord is just ripping up this discontentment in my heart and so just really sifting through that and um, figuring that out. And so I can confidently say right now that I feel like I feel so content. Do I desire for our curtains to be hung? Yeah. I mean, we would probably like privacy. But we're all the way tucked away, so I guess no one's looking really, but maybe. And so, yeah, there's things that I desire, but I'm so content you know, and I have just, I feel like this was a journey and an opportunity for me to understand even deeper, like, contentment and getting that worked out in me. Yeah, this, it's so really, honestly, just to kind of summarize, it was a journey of trust and faith. So, so what do you do when things aren't working out the way you think they should? <laughs> what do you do when, you, when things aren't, aren't in the timeline that you think they should? What, what do you do when, when now you, you have a divorce in your history? You know, that isn't the way you anticipate. No one wants to go through that. It's, that's emotionally draining. It's stressful. It's hurtful. It's hard. You know, what, what do you do when that healing doesn't happen? What do you do when, when, when that, that job situation didn't work out the way you thought or that death happens? And honestly, what, what we've learned is no matter, like, 
what we see or feel, God's good. Like, this wasn't God. This wasn't God punishing us or setting us up for failure. Like, hey, let's, let's make you operate on three hours of sleep for, for three straight months, you know, every night. Yeah, but let's just say something here. Oh, we have choices. God doesn't say you have to just function on three hours of sleep. We're like these, um, what would you call us? Intense people. And we just go hard. And we don't stop. We are not... Maybe that's a contentment issue. I don't know. But we're like, we got two weeks to get this house gutted, remodeled, all the wallpaper down, all the walls painted, all the carpet laid, all the flooring down. I legit thought I could do it in two weeks. And I kept saying, I don't think so. Like, legit. I was like, I think we can do this. We got 15 days. We can do this. And... Everybody was so gracious, too. They're like, now, Aaron, it might take a little more time. There might be some ongoing projects. I was like, no, man, we got this. We're simming strong. So we work 24 hours a day for two straight weeks. Yeah. So so anyway, it was really a journey of trust. So the moment we start to feel let down, like, we realized he was there. The moment, like, things started to maybe take a fork in the road, like, we still realized he was there. And we still realized he's good. And we've just trusted through the process. And we've had faith increase. And um, but, but the other thing is, like, we've learned that he's so kind and generous, even though we don't deserve it. And, and it kind of leads back to the point of this series that we're on is, uh, in Romans 2.4, his kindness lead men to repentance. What we experienced in those 15 days blew our minds. We had over 45 people show up from here to help us. Some people working till 2 in the morning with us, um, just giving their lives, get, sacrificing, you know, getting babysitters for their kids so they could help us paint. And, and I'll be honest with you, we, we experienced kindness on a receiving end for the first time to, in, with masses of people and food and just help and resources. And people say, man, you need some gravel there. I've got a dump truck. I'm just going to bring some gravel. Like, it was absolutely amazing. And uh, we're like, wow, man, the Lord's just really cashing in all those deposits we made. You know, and it wasn't that we've ever done anything to get anything, but for the first time, we actually needed help. <laughs> as much as we did and ever want to admit, we needed help. And I'll tell you what, it's the same thing we talk about with Christy's story. The moment, sometimes you don't know what you have until you need it. Sometimes you don't realize how good you have it until you need that aspect of it. And that's what we realized. It was the kindness of people that allowed us to grow in God and realize that, wow, we can't do this on our own, and we're part of a family, we're part of a movement that is way bigger than us, we're part of a community, we're part of covenant people that are willing to sacrifice their time so that we can be blessed and actually move into a home. And uh, I have 45 people, I'm talking hours and hours and hours, some of you sitting right there were extreme help, you know. There was one night, like, I was just done, like, I was just like, man, I... I don't know if I can do this push, and I just needed to tile this little bathroom. Like, it's literally three foot by four foot. It's this tiny little bathroom underneath a staircase. And uh, Tyler texts me. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I was like, man, I'm getting ready to tile a bathroom. He's like, on my way, and just showed up. And, and he helped cut and do some things, but more so it was the companionship. It helped me keep going. And that was the thing, and, and that's the, the benefit of being in something bigger than you. We're, we're not lone rangers here. We're not, we were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to do this journey alone. Like God created a family. You know, he created a, a family. He created these com- this community called the bride, called, called the church, and called people, and, and it's covenant. And uh, so that was the biggest thing for us is like the kindness of God was truly demonstrated to us through the kindness of people. Uh, let me read this verse. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I want to just reiterate like our thankfulness 
like, thank you. You know how you helped us, and you know the hours that you spent with us, like that same bathroom he's talking about. Just the other day, I was in the bathroom, and I was picturing Lisa (laughs) painting, because you were painting the trim in that little tiny bathroom. And it's like... You were in the bathroom, going to the bathroom, and you were picturing Lisa? I'm sorry. It's like painting the trim. It's not weird. It's just, you know, I was just imagining, like, all the help. And I just, I I want you to know, like, our thankful hearts in that, and um, just... So many of you. Thank you so much. It's just, and, and it, it is this whole, this whole picture of family. And I'm so thankful that God would allow us to be on the receiving end of it. Man, we are overjoyed when Christy shares her story and that she was on the receiving end of that and how that blessed us too. But like, this was just a wow moment. It was, it's, it's weird when you're always used to the one that's giving and pouring out and helping others. And then like, then you get to be helped. And it was like, it's not comfortable at first. But then it's like, wow, we are loved. It's so nice. It feels so good. And um, it was good. All right, let's end with this and then Q&A. Colossians 3.12 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I'll be honest with you, that is exactly what we grew in in our process. And it was, it's God's instructions. It's, 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 it's Paul writing, saying, therefore, God's chosen people, you are his chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves. He's saying, now, now put this on. Make sure you're intentional about this. Be compassionate. Be kind. Be humble. Be gentle and be patient. And man, did we grow in all of those areas through this process, through the kindness of people. And um, for me, probably the biggest growth was... Uh, that patience and that humility. That's what I was going to say, being humble. Um, to be on the receiving end is, you know, this opportunity for people. Like, you know how your home is your home, and it is your safe place, your unwind place, your, like, how you do your life. Like, you have your quirks. You have your space where your things go, and you have just this idea. Like, you have your routines. You have all of these things in in line it's just it's like your place right and so this piece of being humble and being vulnerable and um allowing people to help you and allowing these people into your world painting your closet seeing all the filth you know just from all the construction and everything and just like coming up and like how how are you doing it's this choice I'm going to talk about vulnerability a minute. It's this choice to say, I'm good. We're good. We're doing this. Or to just start crying. Like, I can't tell you how many times um, Rachel was at the house and painting. And one day the whole thing came about of we can't have just plain walls. We we were going to have to, like, stomp our walls with this terrifying pattern. And I literally, that was what broke. Like, I just started bawling. And Rachel was there painting with me. She's like, it's okay, we're going to, like, she's like, how can I fix this for you? You know what I mean? Like it, And it's this, like, opportunity of me not to put on this stone face and not block off my heart, but this opportunity of being real. Like, I'm not okay. I'm mad. I'm angry. I feel like God lied to me. I, I want to cry right now. I miss my old house. I want to go home. You know, just being real and being transparent through that process is so healing. It is so helpful. And... I just, you know, for me, like, I just want to encourage you with that. Like, 
I do not take that for granted, and it has changed who I am. I mean, I feel like I was a pretty vulnerable, real person prior to this, but this was like God just taking me to the whole next level of vulnerability, and it is so freeing. Like, I love the fact that you all love me, and I am a mess most of the time. And you're okay with it because you know that I'm in process. I'm not trying to just sit in my mess. I'm trying to push forward, and I just appreciate that. And so I just encourage you with vulnerability is just so healing. Don't put on a face. If you're a mess, it's okay. All right. I think Nicole just about cried right there. We're not used to that. That's me. <laughs> I joke around. I saw Nicole cry more in three months than the last three years combined. Like, I'm the crier. I'm the emotional roller coaster, not her. <laughs> so and he would be like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just crying for five hours. Like, I don't know why. I'm like, what do I need to do? What? What's happening here? Nicole's crying. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we preached a message a, a year or two ago. It's okay to not be okay. Like, we gave everybody permission to not be okay. Like, you don't have to have all your junk together. You don't have to have it all together all the time. Like, it is okay to not be okay. That's why God is there. That's what grace is. That's what mercy is. That's what him wrapping you up and loving you the way you need it that moment is for. That's it's amazing. So we've experienced this. We got to walk through this. We're still walking some things out. Um, we're going deep. We're using it as an experience to, and a journey, and an adventure, uh, just to say, Lord, what are you saying here? What are you doing? What do you want us to do? What, what's our role in this? You know, what do you, what do you need from us? And uh, it's been amazing. So uh, anything else from you? The last thing I want to say is that even though it was um, one of the hardest seasons in our life, it also was this opportunity for us I feel that it was this really sweet way that the Lord showed us that we are so connected and so aligned. I mean, the intensity of this, and literally we didn't kill each other. We did, we only, we only got like, I think two kind of massive arguments. Basically, one was about I wanted my ductwork cleaned out, and he was telling me no. And I'm like, hey, I don't want to breathe other people's dirt. So finally he said yes, but it's like that because it was just something petty, but it was like, I want you to clean out the ducks of this like, house. There's 52-year-old dust in there. And, and so that was dirt. a big fight. <laughs> but look how petty that was. I'm, say, I'm bringing that up to say that, like, I want you to be encouraged. The things that you've walked through are sowing seeds into your ability to walk through future things. And I just feel like the Lord was just really affirming us that like all that we've sown into our marriage and just our relationship and just going after these things it was just like this beautiful flower that was like look this is what's come from this and so it was actually it's probably the best we've ever been together yeah so anyway yeah. she did say she hated me once <laughs> so that was hurtful it was quick it was quick i think that was the wall night i think that was the same night of the wall issue so but anyway, no, we, we actually, I think we only had two little minor disputes through, you're talking about like, it's our life that was uprooted, and um, it was amazing, so we still love each other. Okay, Q&A, so who has a question? We have about nine plus minutes here, I'd like to keep it to nine to 13 minutes. It doesn't have to be about the house, it could All be right. about Jesus. All right, Kyler, what's up, man? Oh, is Buddy still alive? talked a few weeks ago about uh, the bat situation, and we had some bats that made their way through our walls, and uh, we have not heard Buddy in about a week, but we, we were pretty sure Buddy died, but we, we had another one in a different wall. We named it Betty, 
and uh, we've not heard Betty in a week. So, but we're pretty sure Buddy's dead. I think we smelled him about two weeks ago. So, uh -uh. all right, Bert. What did we learn from our kids? Um, one of the, some of the things I learned is resiliency, and they were just happy throughout the whole thing, and their adjustment was so quick, and it was for them, it was like, cool, we get to wake up in a new place. Oh, wow, there's a pool, you know, and um, just this adventure, but their work ethic, like, it's been amazing, and this, we, this thing came with 16 chilkin, chickens, like, chilkins. <laughs> it's a new breed of chicken on Family Legacy Farms, so, like, we went from a pretty life in a brand new house, almost like in the city, to like, now we're like legit country people. And like, if, it, if you're not going to do it, it's not going to get done. And animals will die if you don't take care of them. And Chloe doesn't care. She's like, let them die. You know, but I, you know, some of the glimpses I saw was like them coming off the school bus and like kicking rocks coming down the several hundred foot driveway and just like happy. And you know, Olivia even had a dream through last night that we moved, and she was crying, like she didn't want to move. So, um, you know, that's some of the things I've learned from there is just, like, their joy. You know, they just didn't care. They're like, yeah, it's awesome. We asked them repeatedly, you know, every few weeks, did we make the right decision? Are you guys glad we live here? And they all agree, like, we probably like our old house better, but we love living here better, and we wouldn't go back. Yeah, I mean, I think just for me, I just witnessed, you know, their ability to just um, supernaturally just dream big, you know, because they move into this, they see all of this, and we're like basically non-existent, they're parenting themselves, and they are like... For like 15 days. <laughs> they made it to school most days, no. Uh, but, but the, and, and they're just like, this is awesome. And what that taught me is, why don't I operate in my life that way, you know? Like, it's like they were willing to do the hard work, but then at the same time, they're just like, this is amazing. And they could see the future. They could, it, so, I mean, I just think that's what I Mo gained from that. More often than not, the, I think the Lord was allowing us to see them and us endure the pain in the process. Mm -hmm. So vision gives pain a purpose. So if we can see the end result, oftentimes we can endure more. So when I'm seeing them walk down that driveway, or we posted a video last, last Sunday, it was, it was clean out chicken coop day, that really nice weather day, and like Hadassah, she's four, she's, she's the one that will take the chickens and get them off the eggs. Everybody else is afraid of those chickens. So, so man, so this video, check it out on my Facebook or Instagram, it's hilarious. So, so she won't do it, and she's like, they're getting her all worked up and scared. So Evelyn grabs a chicken, and she's trying to hand it to Hadassah, and Hadassah's like, ah! And then, like, pets it and, like, no, I'm not taking it. Then all of a sudden we're like, Hadassah, you, you can do this. You're the one. And she goes in. There's this black chicken they're all afraid of. And it, like, pecks at him and stuff. She grabs it. She one-hands that thing, picks it up, and throws it out, basically. And I'm like, so back to what I'm saying, like, just seeing this, I think the Lord was using them that we were seeing what their future is going to be and their work ethic and, and their joy and their, their ability to get through difficult situations and their ability to count it all joy even in this circumstance. So as I'm seeing these glimpses and Olivia learning how to drive our four-wheeler, and she's just like, I, I was allowing her to go to first gear only. Like, you can go gear one, that's it. And then, like, so all, all, all of a sudden, I'm, like, doing work, and I hear, Wah! and, like, she's just cruising through, and I'm like, Olivia, you're going to blow it up. First gear means, like, mm. <laughs> so I had to bump her up to second gear. But, 
Anyway, seeing these things to me fueled me to continue doing what we were doing and trust in the Lord that this is a better future for them. So I think that for me was a tool as well. Next question. Chloe. She's our oldest. I'm scared what's going to come out of her mouth. If you could define your marriage in one color, what would it be? Did you just research this on Google? Like, <laughs> you did, didn't you? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll think of a color, you think of a color, and on three we'll say it. One, two, three. Gold. Yellow. Close. Close. Oh, because I was thinking glitter, too. So, here we go. Gold. I was thinking, like, royalty and, like, just riches. So, okay. I was thinking bright and sunny. That's cool. All right. Um, Analia. Never have done no. that. I'm on keto, so I don't eat spaghetti. All right, anybody else? Yes. What is our, our vision for the future? Do you mean housewives or just in life? Or, okay. So the thing that's driving me right now is a vision for our spring and summer. I cannot wait for us to be able to be outside to just hang out together. Like, we love to do that at our old house. It, it did feel like we were kind of constricted. Like, we just didn't have the space for outdoor fun. And uh, I am dreaming of an outdoor space and the pool and just, you know, that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Mosquitoes are terrible. Don't tell Rachel, but I plan on spraying the crap out of those things. <laughs> and it's not going to be organic. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Um, the vision for, for our future, you know, it, it looks like family. It looks like, um, you know, we, we want to we be parents and spouses and leaders and pastors and that people look up to. That, like, genuinely what you see off the stage is the same thing you see on the stage. That, that we care so much about the kingdom and so much about people reaching their fullest potential and, and we care so much about leading people to transformation and freedom in Christ that our life is willing to pay the price for that. Um, you know, we've shared the last few weeks about some of that in our vision board. So uh, you could go back to the first message of the year to get the details on this. Uh, but in summary, it would be like, we want, I want my girls to see, um, yeah, I want my girls to see me engage their future husband on what they're seeing and liking about me. Not what they don't like, you know. Oftentimes we search for people in relationships and the things that were maybe really bad, so we go the opposite way. I want them to actually be so proud of me and, and in love with me as a dad um, that they actually want a husband like me and that I'm portraying the love of the Father, like Abba Father. That's, that's really a life goal of mine that I know the greatest disciples I'll ever impact are my four girls and their future families. And um, for me, everything, all of this is just overflow of my heart of who I am in Christ. And it's just because I love him, so I love others. Um, but my primary ministry is actually this and my family. 
That's, that's my number one ministry. This is just overflow. Uh, I'm full-time at the fire department and part-time here because this is overflow. This is just passion. This is just who I am. So our vision is to actually leave a fingerprint on this world, and the dash on my tombstone actually has some sus- substance behind it to where I left a mark and left it better than I found it. And the things that impacted me growing up, divorce and different things that impacted my life and what I was seeing and exposed to, that there will actually be a little bit of a mark that changed history. Okay. Uh, we've got one, time for one or two. Okay, one more. Yes, I wear his um, giant camo rain boot things all the time in the mud. <laughs> I don't think. Oh, she has these Adidas uh, flip-flops that are sometimes by the door, so I'll sometimes slip those on. So <laughs> have we ever tried to wear Good each question. other's shoes? Anything beyond that would be super weird, guys. Don't do it. So, all right. Um, we'd love to pray for you, and uh, we'd love, if you have other questions, um, just, just message in that serving number. Okay, anything else that you have? Okay, we have about 12 minutes that we're going to allow for questions here. So uh, we do have a phone number you can text if you're a little shy. Uh, we, we had to cut off first service just a little bit. We gave them about 12 to 15 minutes. And then we said if they had others we didn't get to, they could text this number. So uh, I think that's going to be up there, 506-0011. You can text your question there, or we actually just want to go live right now and just let you ask from your seat if you're willing to do that. So this will be kind of fun. Any question? Past, present, future, uh, who we are, our story this year. Um, There were some fun questions even asked in the, the first service. So not everybody go at once, please, though. Yes. makes sense. I I feel like I think it was during, honestly, because it just felt like we were willing to take time to look at each other and be like, we're love you. Like, I love you. We are doing this. You're doing amazing. Like, and we were still maintaining, like, being really intentional about how each other's hearts were. I mean, and so I just really, I feel like it was, like, during. Yeah. Uh, Let me, I I just feel like I'm supposed to share this story. Um, Sometimes you look back and it's not necessarily in the moment, but you look back, and that's what we're doing right now. We're looking back like, yeah, wow, we were way better this round. And we, we had a rough situation a few years ago, and uh, this res- we, we endured some things in an office and endured uh, a meeting. And Nicole and I, after this meeting, we just washed, washed this, these people's feet. We just blessed them. We just said, can we just wash your feet and love you? We're so thankful for you. Uh, we, we had a similar, in some context, a similar situation happen uh, not too long ago. So several years had went by. And now we're in a meeting, we're in a difficult situation, and now Josh and Angie are in the meeting with us. And we all got down and washed feet. We weren't alone. And, and that's kind of like I kind of feel in this process, just us as a body and us, us as a married couple, and our story is like we're doing this so much better now than we used to, and we're not alone. Like it was so refreshing when we walked out of that meeting, you know, I don't know if it was that day or like the next day. And Nicole and I were processing that, that meeting we had. And we're like, wow, that was so much easier not having to be alone in there. It was so much easier when we know people have our back. 
And, um, and that's kind of this process, you know, of like, I mean, we've got each other's back. No matter what comes, you can give me a box to live in. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, some of you have been in that place. But man, when you have love and you find Jesus, it's like none of the other stuff matters. It's like, wow, it just makes it disappear. Yes. Well, I guess that answers that. Uh, Nicole had a, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, for several years, I've really felt like we um, are supposed to that, that week leading up, or in between Palm Sunday and Easter, um, to really, I feel like we are missing an opportunity of really digging into that whole process, the crucifixion to the resurrection, and that, you know, just all of that stuff. And I keep telling him every year, I'm like, I, I said, what do you think about if we just, like, Thursday night or something like that, and we just open it up, and we do a communion time and a foot washing time, and just, so we're not doing it on a Sunday, so you're not made to wash other people's feet, but if you feel like that's something that you want to do, so I keep asking him, and then we never plan it, and so now that you said it, it's, Listen, it's, I, it's, it's being recorded. Listen, it's because I had traumatic so. experiences as a 12-year-old getting stuck with the old guy with the yellow toenails that never <laughs> got clipped. I'm like, Dad, would always <laughs> stick me on that guy, and I'm like, oh. So, so then we went in this journey to be like, let's do it modern day. It's all symbolism. Let's just wash each other's cars. I literally said that once. Uh, but Nicole's, we're, we're probably have a prayer night, maybe a worship night, where those who want to participate, we do some foot washing and uh, just have that intimate time and do what Jesus did. So looks like we may plan that. Any other questions? I got a timer going. You got eight minutes. Yes. agree with you like in the past it would have been this thing of we would both just stuff you know our stuff put up a wall and just keep powering through and I think that is the key you know like we were just very intentional about and we still are very intentional about checking each other's hearts and how are we feeling and how what's your raw emotions right now and just being willing to share that because I had to be careful I felt like there was, I, I didn't want to be so, it's almost like, I was like, I don't think I want to be so vulnerable, because then he, he literally was crying sometimes, because he's like, what did I do to you guys? And I didn't, and I'm like, no, this isn't, you know, I said, we decided this together, you know, and so it was like, there, I'd find myself being like, maybe I don't need to say that, because I don't want him to feel bad, but it was just like this thing of like, being sure that he knew, like, I wasn't blaming him, there's no blame for that, and so just, you know, being open and honest, yeah, I think we totally did. Yeah, we'd also check on each other. Like, how are you? How, where, where are you right now? And um, so here's a great question for you and your relationships. What are your raw emotions right now? It, I think as a culture, we get used to just moving by, hey, how's it going? Good, you? Good, yep, see ya. Like literally, in passing, we'll say, hey, good morning, how are you? Good, yep, good, yep, me too, yep, see ya. Have a good day. Have a great week. And, like, literally we never go deep, and I think our culture coming up is going to struggle with this even more because we're so used to social media relationships and Facebook-level relationships that we don't go deep. And that's why millennials are actually hunger, hungry right now for authenticity and real relationships because they've been growing up in a culture that's been depriving them of that. 
So in this culture where we're growing up, we actually need to start sharing our feelings more. And as you ask that person, do you really mean that question or is it just part of your greeting? It's really just part of our greeting. Good, how are you? Good. Like, no, what are your raw emotions right now? How are you really feeling? Because you're going through a junky time right now. Like, it's really, like, it's rough. Like, what do you, let's process this. Let's talk about this. Yeah, but what even do you asking need? that question, even when you're not going through a junky time. Yep. So that's good, too. That, that like, makes you think, wait, how are my emotions? There's a verse in the Bible that says, be interested in the lives of others. That's part of kindness, being interested in the lives of others. It could just be like Kurt Groff. I know he's a Patriots fan. So I'm texting him after the game. Man, he did it again, six rings. It's being intentional because I'm interested in the lives of others and I actually care about him. You know, I care about Kirk. He's an amazing man. And, and so each one of you are. So it's not just like, are, are you going through a rough time? Like, how are you doing? All right, what's some, what's some wins that you've had lately? Let's celebrate this together. You know, what are some struggles? So. Okay, we got one question that somebody texted in. And it says, what advice would you give for people who are single and still waiting on the Lord? Um, I have two things that pop into my mind quickly. And I have said this for years. And I know it's easier said than done. But I just say... Run, like I picture running a marathon and just run. And your, your focus is the, at the finish line is Jesus. And that's what you're running toward. And when you get there and as you're there and as you're running, you look to the left and the right and the man that's standing next to you is your husband. Do you get what I'm saying? Or if it's it, a man that asks this question. I'm sorry, yes, it's your wife. A woman. If it's a woman, what, you get what I'm saying. So we're pursuing Jesus. In our pursuit of him, then the spouse naturally aligns. I fully believe that. I, I genuinely fully believe that. And I think Brianna and James are a phenomenal example of that. And so if you want more in-depth on that, I'm just saying go talk to them. Wait, raise your hand. These two, they are amazing. And they were both in our, they were in our youth, and they were, like, hungry for Jesus like nothing else. And neither, and, and Brianna was like, I do not want to be married for, like, 10 years. She was just so, like, I'm all about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the next thing you know, we're like, wait a second, and they're married. And that is such, to me, that is just the perfect example of that. So I give you that advice. And the other thing I'm going to say is so in, um, so into marriage things, so into opportunities, even like serving at the marriage event as a single person, Sir, so into that. What does that look like? You're sowing into something that you're going to get to benefit from in the future with your future spouse. Yeah, I, I once heard somebody say, if you run towards God, and if you, basically it was, if you pursue God, you'll inherit a spouse. If you pursue a spouse, you may not inherit God. Yeah. It's running towards God. And the equally yoke part means, like she's talking about, you just look to your side. Who's running with you at that pace? And that's, that's who you're supposed to probably, it could be a friend, could be somebody that's just there. Like, wow. Oh, cool. Because as you're pursuing Jesus, you make choices that Jesus has you make. And then that path leads you to your spouse. If we're not pursuing him, we're making choices that aren't on his path, and then, and then we're searching for somebody that's not there, or we're finding the wrong person or whatever. This is great spiritual answers, like, but the practical side, yeah. you got to actually, like, get out there. <laughs> you know, like, get off your video game and, and, and start talking to people, you know, or whatever that is. The other thing is, like, we, for young adults, we have the gathering. Like, we are full on knowing that that is a plan to connect people to a spouse, and trust me, that's a much better place than the bar. Get involved in the church. Serve. You know, do, do, do some stuff. And so on a practical side is you actually do have to, like, <laughs> get out there. So meet people and go out of your comfort zone a little bit. But make sure that 
maybe it's friends, maybe it's friends of friends, and, uh, but I think sometimes we looking for love in all the wrong places. All right, we have another question here. Uh, two minutes and 14 seconds. How do the two of you make time to focus on each other in the busyness of life? That's one we're working out. We're in process on that. And um, it's, it's basically putting each other first before anybody else. I was just telling Nicole last week, um, this alarm's going to go off, so let me pause it for just a second. Um, I was just telling her last week, she, she's like cramming in her schedule, meeting with all these people all these days. And like, because we're going on a, a, couple, a trip, we're going to uh, Cancun for a couple days. She's like, I want to get all this knocked out before we go. That way I don't have to think about anything when we're there. I was like, baby, this is a marathon. Like, just tell people you can't meet for two or three weeks. And uh, so she's, like, sacrificing herself just to make sure, like, because she's a great leader. She's a lover, and she cares about people. And uh, but sometimes it's actually putting that to the side to love ourselves more. It's, we're okay to tell you no so that we can tell each other yes. And that's one thing we need to be better at, just to be really honest with you. My first ministry is my home. This is just an overflow from the ministry in which... Uh, that I'm actually called to, and that's first husband, second dad, then you guys. And uh, that's just our priority. So we take time out. So practically, and I got to be done here, but practically, uh, we try to do one date night a month. Uh, we try to have one evening a week that we, we have some time. Um, and then we try to do one family night of something a week. And then we do sporadic things with the kids. We're surprising them and taking them somewhere this weekend because we live a busy life, all of us, all six of us. One thing I don't want to forget to say is go to bed together if, in, as long as your work schedules allow for it, as much as possible. I'm saying, like, he works, he works during the day, so we always go to bed together. Like, we found out in the first couple of years of our marriage what was one big root and issue of, of all of our issues was we'd go to bed at separate times. I'd go to bed, and he'd be up, or he'd go to bed, and I'd be up. And that, to me, I feel very strongly in my spirit that as a married couple, as best as you can to go to bed together. I just, I, there's just really something that's very important about and Patty that. Patty shared last night, and then we've got two quick questions no, to share. No, no, we'll do it. No, no more, more questions. questions. We'll answer so them on Facebook. You can uh, put them on Rachel. Facebook, we'll answer them. But, um, but here's the deal. Uh, Patty shared this thing, and it goes along with one question. How do you argue? How do you fight? And Patty says, never go to bed angry. Don't go to, don't go to bed on your wrath. So always go to bed together, which also helped me. I, I struggle with a lot of temptation with pornography. So we go to bed together, and then it also helps with that. But, um, but we, 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 fight, we, we learn to fight fair. And that means, like, in our, when I was abusive, if I'd blow up and go crazy, then I'd just leave. And then she wouldn't know what state of mind I was, if I was going to go drinking, if I was going to be at a bar. And I would leave for hours and not answer my phone or anything. I learned that that was so disrespectful and selfish so now when we, when we fight or have an argument or disagreement or a heated discussion, um, we learned each other's needs and what we each need. And now it's very few and far between that it gets to that level. But, um, but really what we do is just communicate, and I know that I can't leave. Now I might have to step away for a few minutes, go to another room in the house, but I'm not going to leave that house. We remove divorce from our language. Literally, I heard Matt Namie say that once. Literally remove that word from our vocabulary. That we're not going to threaten that. That's not an option for us. We cannot go there. Um, so doing some things like that. So uh, did our house sell fast? 
That was the last thing. I, I want to answer this because it's imperative to the story. It was the last thing. We just went through the whole process asking God to open doors or close them if we weren't supposed to do this. We put our house on the market almost $20,000 higher than what we thought we'd get out of it. And we had two full offers within a couple hours. And it sold above what we were asking for. Thanks to a really great realtor in the church. So anyway, yes, sold right away. And um, that's it. So sorry, there's more coming in. But we love you. Uh, But let's stand. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. And then uh, don't forget your hugs, your calendars, and Jay's book. Okay, oh, just, just grab somebody. Grab your spouse if they're next to you or just somebody around you. Uh, I, I feel like what, what we are praying for today is unity. Unity. Just, just hold the person the person next to you. Like, unity. We're in this together. We're family. We're kin. You know, it's part of the kingdom. We're kin. It's part of kindness. We're kin. You know, we're family. We're in this together. And I believe it was the unity of Christ woven as the three-chord strand in our marriage uh, that keeps us strong and, and even helps us through these processes. Um, so we're just going to invite Christ into all of our relationships and unity. God, we just thank you. We thank you that even when we're going to a land of the unknown, even when we're going to places that, uh, that we don't even know what it looks like, or, or, or even though when we're there it may not have turned out the way we thought or the timing, that God, you're still there. You're still there. It's still a life of promise. It's still a life of process, and it's still a life of purpose. So we thank you for that. We thank you that we just put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. We put our love in you, God. We adore you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for loving us. We just bless every marriage, every relationship, every future marriage that's here right now, every home. God, we speak peace into every home and every life. God, we also ask for unity, unity in this body, unity in your bride as a whole, and unity in every marriage and home. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you for transforming us, renewing our minds, making us whole, and making us better today than we were yesterday. We thank you for the process. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Enjoy the kindness month. Can't wait to see you next week.